Good morning, Chair City Church. How are you? <laughs> I like what I see so far. <laughs> I want to welcome all of you to Palm Sunday at Chair City Church. This day kind of kicks off what we call the Passion Week, the days that lead into the final days of Jesus' life, the end of his life, the last 24 hours of his life. We are in week three of our current teaching series, 24, where we've been looking into what the Bible says about those 24 hours. Last week, we looked at Jesus' temptation, which took place from about 10.30 p.m. to 1.30 a.m. when he was there in the garden. After that, Jesus was taken to face trial. That happened around 2 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock in the morning. And then at 8 o'clock in the morning, if you will, the Roman general... Pontius Pilate turned Jesus over to his soldiers and said, crucify him. And that Palm Sunday, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, the people were celebrating. They were celebrating what they expected was going to happen, their expectations that their Messiah had arrived on the scene. They were adoring him, that this man was going to save them from Roman oppression some of them even thought that, that he would establish his own kingdom on earth and they would reign over the, the Romans. You see, they thought that first Palm Sunday that Jesus, when he entered Jerusalem, was beginning, beginning his journey to the crown. And in fact, as we know, when Jesus entered into Jerusalem that first Palm Sunday, he was beginning his journey to go to the cross. Huh? And I want to talk to you today about that cross what happened at the cross, what it means to us, our lives, our families. I just want it to mean something today. I, I, want, I don't want it to be a limited connection to any of you, to any of us. Something that is, you know, we find in a picture, a piece of jewelry, a furniture, a, a tradition, something we've settled into is commonplace. That's not what I want the cross to mean to us. I, I want us today to know that the cross was meant and will and can to deeply impact our lives, to apply it to our everyday lives, our everyday situations, so that we are not overwhelmed with circumstances, that we are not overwhelmed with doubt or despair or depression, but that we can connect to the cross as God intended us to. Jesus going to the cross. What did it mean to us? What does it mean to us here today? Let's jump into the scripture, to the Bible. We're going to read from the book of Luke, chapter 23, 35 through 49. It's a chunk of scripture. But it starts out with saying, The crowd watched and leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him, Jesus, save himself if he really is God's Messiah the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. By this time it was about noon, 12 o'clock, and darkness fell across the whole land until about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The light from the sun was gone. Normally that would not be the case. And suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last breath. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshipped God and said, Surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching, watching, watching. So in the shadow of the cross, people were watching. So many eyes were watching what was happening. So many different people were gazing on the events at hand the eyes of our Heavenly Father, the Roman God, guards, Jesus' followers, his mothers, those who beat him, who mocked him. All these eyes are on the place of the cross. What's interesting is that there's so many different responses to what was happening, to what people are watching, what they're seeing. There are those that are tuned into what's happening, those who kind of seemingly indifferent but still kind of compelled to to come to a certain place in their thinking roman soldiers are at the foot of the cross tossing dice around to see who's going to win the garments of those they're executing there are those who are heartbroken there are those who are filled with hate there are those that are filled with compassion or those that are criticizing all the different responses now if you've watched tv if you've watched say in a, in a tv events how they might depict you know jesus walking through the streets of Jerusalem with the cross, going to uh, Calvary, Golgotha, the place they call the skull, there on the cross. You'll usually see kind of like a sparsely attended parade, a few people hanging around the cross, even in the movies. Historians, Jewish historians specifically, tell us that at that time, in that day, ancient Israel, at the time of the Passover feast, which is when this is, the events leading up into that, there'd be about three million people in the city of Jerusalem. The place would be mobbed. It would be packed. There were a lot of people watching what was going on at the place of the cross. And yet, they respond so differently. I, I'm a city guy, as you know. Um, I'm four hours from New York City, so I can't get in there quickly, but I can get into Boston. And it is not uncommon for me, especially when the weather gets nice, for me to grab my wife at like 9.30, 10 o'clock, 10.30, 11 o'clock at night and say, let's go into the city. Yeah, yeah. I've got all my places where I can get my cannoli. I got my all-night 24-hour bakery I have found. It's true. <laughs> and now I, I do that because I love the company, my precious wife. Uh, I like the cannolis. But you know what I really dig? I, I like to watch people. I'm a people watcher, man. If they had a degree in people watching, I'd have a doctorate in people watching. But I do. Get, you know, you know we eventually we get to a place, we sit down, even as we're walking, you know, but we'll sit down and I'll just watch people. And I'll comment to Christy, you know. I'll try and predict what they're going to do. But it's best when something has happened, like, like something has gone on that's, that would get people's attention 
draw them to it to see their different reactions, especially if it's something awkward. Occasionally, I'll do something, you know, you know, intentionally to be awkward, to create some disturbance or something like that. Just to see how people re interact and respond. I'm fascinated by it. People just respond differently. And so this day we know is Good Friday. Today's Palm Sunday. Friday will be Good Friday, the day that Jesus was executed on the cross. So many people are watching. So many people are responding differently. Some are engaged. They're focused on it. You know, they're hearing what he's saying as he's dying on the cross. Some are hearing what they want to hear, right? Because what they're seeing is not what they expected. It's not what they wanted. They've got their own agenda. Some, again, are looking at it, and they're, I mean, they're just broken. Some are just filled with disgust. They're confused. How did this come to be? But they're all present, and they're all taking in, and here's what they're taking in, the most significant event in their history of the world. They're taking in an incredible moment, one that will forever change, not millions, not tens of millions, not billions, but literally hundreds of billions of people on the face of this earth. A few months back, I showed a clip uh, that contained um, an interview with uh, Bono, 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 whatever, from a lead singer of U2. I wanted to take a portion of that clip and introduce it again to you today. I think it's, the, it's a defining question for a Christian is who was Christ. And, and I don't think you're let off easily by saying a great thinker or a great philosopher or, a, a, you know, because actually he went around saying he was the Messiah. That's why he was crucified. He was crucified because he said he was the Son of God. So he either, in my view, was the Son of God or he was not. No, no, nuts. Nuts, yes. Forget yes. rock and roll messianic complexes. This is like, I mean, Charlie Manson type delirium. And I find it hard to accept that all the millions and millions of lives, half the earth for 2,000 years, have been touched, have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. I just, I don't believe it. I, so I therefore it follows that you believe he was divine. Yes. And therefore it follows that you believe that he rose physically from the dead. Yes, yeah, I mean, I've no problem with miracles. <laughs> I'm living around them. I am one. So, so when you pray then, you pray to Jesus. Yes. The risen Jesus. Yes. And you believe that he made promises which will come true. Yes. The risen Jesus, the crucified, it all began right there. You know what I, I like about that part of the interview? It just screams logic. It screams common sense. And here's what I want to share with you. Because there are so many different people that come into Chair City Church. Some have been around church for a long time. Some have just come in. Some believe in God. Some don't believe in God. Some don't believe in Jesus. Some, oh, this is who we are. And that's great. That's cool. But I want you to get this, that there is no doubt Jesus existed. Whether you believe he is divine or not, that is another conversation. I believe with all my heart he is. There's a plethora of information, more information and more support to anything, any event in antiquity that, that supports Jesus' divinity. His 
crucifixion, his resurrection. But one thing there is no doubt to, that Jesus did exist. Ancient historians, Jewish historians, who really, you know, certainly weren't a fan on, on anything to do with G Jesus being a Messiah, they state in their writings that there was a man named Jesus, a Jewish sage, a mystic teacher perhaps, and that he was crucified. The event took place. There is no doubt that the crucifixion of a man named Jesus in Jerusalem took place. And, what, and because of that, there is no doubt that that event statistically, empirically, has impacted the world more than any other event. The crucifixion of Jesus. The resurrection is a different story because that we can go back and forth. As far as its historical accuracy, it's another conversation. But the crucifixion of Jesus is a recorded fact. No event has changed the world. There has been, never been another six hours in this world like those six hours when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, paid the price on the cross. Whose price did he pay? He paid my price. He paid your price. He paid our price. And that changed everything. That moment, it changed it for them there, and it changed it for us here today, and it changes us for our children and our grandchildren and their children till Christ comes. And yet, all these people who are present, they're watching and they're taking it in in a different way. This greatest event the world will ever know. God is publicly executing his son. And he's dying not for his sin. Jesus doesn't die for his sin. He's dying for ours. He's dying this horrible death so that we can live and live life abundantly so that we can look to the cross and say, this man died, the Son of God, so that we can live. This really happened for me. This phenomenal, magnificent, world-changing, life-changing, nation-building event happened for me so that I can live and live abundantly and live with energy and enthusiasm and expectation and hope no matter what the circumstances because life is difficult and circumstances happen, but the cross is there and this happens so that we're not victim to circumstances because we don't know the pain, the troubles, the difficulty, but from within who we are, we will hold to that cross and that place and what happened. I want to be aware of it this Easter, you see? So many people are there, they're seeing different things, but this Palm Sunday, this Easter week, I want to be aware of the cross. Today, tomorrow, leading up to Friday, I want to be aware of the cross and what it meant to me. When I invite people to church, when you invite people to church during the week this week to come next Sunday for Easter for that celebration of the resurrection, let's be aware of what we're inviting them to. We're inviting them to the truth of the cross, yes? that Jesus gave his life for them and what happened on the cross that changed everyone's lives and their life. I want to be aware of that. I don't want to be distracted by that. The Bible has a word for those people who were there that day taking in the events who were not heartbroken, who were not gripped, who were not consumed. The Bible calls them onlookers. The definition of an onlooker, check this out, 
is someone who watches something that is happening in a public place but is not involved in it. They're a spectator. Today, this Palm Sunday, the days leading up to Good Friday, take your own passionate journey. Connect to who Jesus is and what he did on the cross for you. And don't be an onlooker, but connect to the place of the cross. I don't want to be an onlooker this week, huh? Instead, I want to be taken in by what Jesus did on that cross. I want to be humbled. I want to be in awe that the things of this world really affect me so much less. And when it's magnified within me, within my soul, my inner being is what Jesus did on the cross. That affects me more than anything else. I'm affected. We're affected by different things. We, we have a conscience. We have senses. But nothing affects us from the inside out than what Jesus did on the cross. You see, I want to go to the cross because God loves me. I want to go to the cross because it was the greatest event in the history of the world. I want to go to the cross because it was meant for me. I want to go to the cross because it's a place I will find a life-changing message. You see, there's a message for us at the cross. There's a message for people of all time. Whenever you see a picture of a cross, a piece of furniture, jewelry, an image, a picture, whatever it might be, there's a visual message there that God intends for you and I to have. And the message is that there existed a gap between people and God. And it was a gap that could never be filled by anyone's effort. But Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth and he filled that gap. He filled that void. We got gaps. We got voids. Jesus fills them because of what took place at the cross. And when Jesus filled that gap, he then went for, he, we, he, by doing that, he enabled us to approach God. This, we're not alone. We don't have to get caught up in our own thoughts. We don't have to be weighed down by our burdens. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be depressed. We instead, we can turn around and approach, approach God. And when we do that, we have a new beginning. You've got a new beginning. You've got a start when you approach God and you cry out to God and you talk to God. Romans 3 23 says this, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We were separated from God. And that, that means something. And how do you get to a God that's holy if you're sinful? Which we are. Now, you might not believe in God, but do you believe there's evil in this world? Okay, well, that's a, see, we can start there. If there's evil, well, then how did, what's good, what's evil? And where did evil come from? And See, I believe there is evil, I believe there is good, I believe there is Satan, I believe there is a God, and I believe I need to be as close to him as possible. Yes? And Jesus made that way where there is no way. God sent his son to die for us so that whoever believes in him me, you, we can have everlasting life if we believe in Jesus. God made a way where there was no way. I did not do this. You could, did not do this. No one could do this. But God did this that day at the cross. This is the message that Jesus filled the gap, that we can approach God and we can be in a position to truly 
intimately know God and be known by God. So we approach God because we can. And when we do that, we begin to what? We have that new beginning. And what does that mean? It means we begin to live our lives in a different way because now we're approaching God who we can know. We don't have to, we don't have to live this warped way of life. Our souls talking to us, our spinning out with all these thoughts in our minds. Instead, we can pause and go before God in all our imperfections, you know? They say that when Jesus went into paradise, when he breathed his last breath, and right behind him was a guy who lied to his mama, who was a thief and who was no good. He was the first guy in, man. We can go before God with all that we are, our imperfections, our failure, and just, wow, and we're safe. We're in a safe place to talk to the one who created us, and we can have a new beginning right there. We don't have to gauge. We don't have to expect. We don't have to anticipate. We don't have to plan from all that mess. We can plan new from God, from that conversation with God. So as I say, nothing's changed, but everything's changed, meaning that circumstances haven't changed, troubles are still there, pain is there, but we are being changed and transformed from the inside out on how we see, view, and are affected by those situations. Because of what Jesus did, it's a great, great experience. Listen, we can approach God. We can worship God. And that's what it's about, experiencing God. Worshiping God. Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3. I cried out to the Lord. He heard my cry. He reached down to me. He inclined to me. He pulled me out of the muck and the mire, out of the slimy pit of despair. He set my feet on a rock. He gave me a, a firm place to stand. And he put a new song in my heart. Yes? Yeah. That's the cross. That's God carrying out his promise right there, huh? Would you want to do that today? You just want to worship him and just take in who he is and what happened at the cross and that you can experience this God, the love of God, because of what happened at the place of the cross. You can love the unlovable because you've experienced God. You can forgive those who you previously couldn't forgive because you've been forgiven, right? You, you've been made a whole and now you can help others. You've been set free from addictions, and now you can build up rather than tear down. Because of the message of the cross, we can sing a new song. That's what we worship. That's what we're inviting people to. That's what we're excited about, and that's what we want to put at the forefront of our minds and the center of our hearts when we're looking at our lives and examining our lives and considering what's going on around us. You see those Easter cards you have? Nice square cards, they say Easter on them. Give those out to someone. It's been too long for some people to live apart from it. Too long. Hand those out to friends, family. Hand them out to strangers. Great testimonies from people who just handed things from people they didn't know. You see, you don't bring them to God. I don't bring them to God. God is stirring in them already. We have people in here that got mailers. That they received mailers. We sent mailers out and said they had been thinking about God days before they got that mail, or the day they received that in the mail. It is God who stirs, God draws, God awakens people to their need of him. He's their creator, he's their God. Listen, maybe you're here and you haven't come to church, right? In a long time, and that's not uncommon. The truth is we built this place for you, we really did. 
We went to two services for you because we want to see people come to know Jesus. We want you to hear this message. We want people who don't know Jesus to hear this message that the cross is a place where God intended for you to hear this message that he loves you, that he's pursued you. You see the cross? It's a place a price was paid. Jesus paid a price that we could not pay. We could not save ourselves. You cannot save yourself. It's not a matter of what I have achieved. It doesn't matter what my resume is or who I am or if I'm good. I'm not. We're not. I am a sinful man. Now, I'm glad nobody said amen to that. <laughs> Some of you thought amen to that. But I am. I am. And God have mercy if you ever saw the stuff that goes on in my head. But I am a sinner saved by grace because what Jesus did on the cross, God have mercy. I am a sinner and use me for Jesus' sake. Yes. But that's you. Why live apart from that God who would love you so much that he'd give his son that you could know him when you see the cross, know that you don't have to pay that price. You don't have to live in that turmoil. You don't have to live in that uncertainty, that despair, that emptiness. But Jesus did that so you could have a relationship with him. You see, the cross is a place where choices are made. And today, we're hoping that you're going to make that choice. You see, there was no one neutral at the crucifixion. No one was neutral. Everybody was making choices. Everybody was figuring out, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Some people are saying yes, some people are saying no, some people, but they're all thinking, they're all making choices, they're making a decision. There were two thieves there, one rejected Jesus, one accepted him. When Jesus breathed his last breath, one thief departs to damnation, one thief departs into eternal life and into paradise. One made one choice, one made another. Make your choice today. Choose Jesus. Choose eternity. Choose paradise. Make the decision to follow Jesus. I'm believing that in here today, this Palm Sunday, somebody will make that choice. The cross, it's a place of new beginnings. I love saying that because we need new beginnings. We do. We need it in our marriage. We need it in our families. We need it with our children, and not only our little children, but our adult children. Sometimes we need it more with our adult children than our little children, right? And somebody said, amen. <laughs> we do, we just need a fresh start. And you can have that because of the cross. Things get murky, things get foggy in our lives, and our relationships. It's like, how do we, get, you know, you, you drive in the fog. I mean, I, I do this with, I do this with, in a perfectly nice day, I, go, I get lost and I drive where I shouldn't go. But sometimes if you're driving in the fog and, and it's murky and it's crazy, I got caught in a snowstorm one time and I'm, I'm just following a tractor trailer. I have no idea where I'm going. I have no, I have no idea how I got to where I got to. I, that's life sometimes, murky, foggy. We just need a fresh start. How do we get here? Why are we here? 
How did my life amount to this? How did this happen in our relationships? We just need a fresh start. And the cross is a place of new beginnings when you connect to it, when you take it in, when you see it for all that it is, when you let it rise up in you as God intended it to this Palm Sunday, this Easter week. You say things are terrible. They're really overwhelming. I I say the cross is a place of hope for the future. You know, hope is so powerful, and a lack of hope or a sense of things are hopeless is so diminishing. You can just feel the weight of things. Everything seems to weigh more and more, and problems are magnified, and just any thought of tomorrow, and that's where we go when we think of tomorrow and the next month and three years, and we're just so overwhelmed, it just seems hopeless. And yet the cross is a place, the place for hope towards the future. Don't lose hope today. God the Almighty has given you hope because he's given you the place of the cross. You see, today, this Palm Sunday, I am not going to be an onlooker today. I am not going to be a spectator today. I will not do that. I'm not going to be neutral. I'm going to make the decision to sing that new song, yes? I'm going to make the to sing that song of redemption where God took my mess and he made something awesome, something that I could never have imagined, something that I could never have done. It was beyond my expectations. This is what God has for us when the cross becomes real and vivid and we connect to it. God, my Father, he fought for me. He gave me his son, Jesus, who spilt his blood so I can have a relation with my heavenly Father, that I could have this strength, I can have this hope. And I can realize this when I look to the cross. And if that's you today, if that's who you hear today, and maybe you're someone who came in and you thought Jesus was a joke, Maybe you're someone who thinks, well, there's a God, but I, you know, I just can't really relate to it. I mean, I, yeah, there's a God, but I don't really see how you kind of factor that into everyday life. Or maybe, you know, you've been kind of kicking this thing around for a long time, coming to church, and wow, somehow it just kind of has gotten a little stale for you or a little indifferent, but not today, right? Today you go to the place we call the cross. Huh? Today you know that you can find hope at the cross. And if that's you today then I, I invite you to pray to God as you're sitting there, to speak to God, because that's what we do when we pray. We're speaking to God. That I, right now, within yourself, as we're singing this last song, which is a song of celebration, a song that from, from death to life, that you feel within yourself, your spirit come alive. You feel that this is a glorious day, that this is a new beginning, that no matter what's happened, no matter what's gone on, today is your new day, huh? Today is your clean slate. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And as you're feeling that, you want to cry out to God, God, I need you. I am a sinner, and I need you. And I believe that Jesus died so that those sins could be forgiven, oh God. And Lord, I know you love me, and I confess now I believe that Jesus, he went to the cross for me. He is my Savior, and I will follow him. I will trust in him. Thank you, God. Say that within yourself. Repeat that within yourself over and over. When this time is over here today, 
that card Christy talked about, we call it that connection card. On one side, it talks about next steps, and there's a couple of boxes, and they talk about having a relationship with, with Jesus. One says, I'm starting a new relationship with Jesus. One says, I'm renewing it. You check one of those boxes off. Today is my day. Today is my new song. You check that box off, and you bring it out to the guest services table. I mean, you can put it in a black box if you like, but at the guest services table, we have a package for you. It's a Bible. It's got some other good stuff. And we are so excited. We are so lit up that you now are seeing the cross for all it was meant to be and that today, this day, you are no longer a spectator. You are no longer just watching and seeing things indifferently or not for what they really are. You are not going to miss the greatest thing that's happening, and that is God in you. But instead you say, I'm not an onlooker. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I have a new beginning. I have a new song. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, my Father in heaven, I am overwhelmed by your story, by your love for me, by your sacrifice for me and for my friends here, for your children who are here, each and every one of them, that you would not let me go, that you would not give up on me, God, that you would put love in me. That's why I love my wife. That's why I love my children. That's why I have a sense of what is right and wrong. That's why there's something in me that wants more for the future. Lord God, you put this in me to live life and to live it abundantly. And God, today, I choose you. I choose the cross. I choose Jesus. I choose to connect with what Jesus did on the cross that glorious day when my sins were forgiven. Amen.